0: I give you that international invasion.
1: What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Hello and welcome to to the the first real episode of Queer and Now, the Talk Film Society podcast where we take you on a time-hopping journey through queer cinema going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. So if you listen to our episode zero, you'll know that I am Dave and I'm joined by Manish. Manish, uh, we're here finally. Episode
0: number one. Are you excited? I am so, so excited to be here and to be talking about this movie with you. Yes, awesome.
1: So we're going to start out, hopefully, to draw some people in with some more recent movies. Uh, Manish like, just put the axe to my idea, like, let's start with 1930. And he was like, no, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> so we are starting with the decade of the 2010s. Um, and the movie we will be talking about eventually in this episode is Beginners, directed by Mike Mills. But first... Um, what do we talk about maybe a little bit about what was going on in two thousand ten as far as some some context for this movie, not just in terms of film but in terms of you know gay culture and gay film. So that wasn't that long ago, right? It was only like ten years yeah, 10 years ago, Jesus. Um, yeah, so what was what was going on as far as like two thousand ten in in queer cinema?
0: I think the major queer movie besides beginners was Black Swan. The Darren Aronofsky movie with Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. Um That's right. And uh, yeah, that was like a really, really big movie. Like got nominated for a lot of Oscars. Like was a gigantic hit at the box office. I think something you'll see maybe up until we get to like a really
1: recent stuff is usually in terms of like – big budget and known uh, stars in american cinema maybe not necessarily from america but people that we know there'll be like one yeah. maybe two and then there'll be a lot of foreign
0: film a lot of independent film um there's one more that i wanted to bring up uh, which is the kids are all right the oh, lisa yeah. chilidenka movie with anna benning and julian moore which i think is probably yep more what we're kind of thinking about in terms of, like, queer cinema, because that was definitely a – I mean, it was an indie movie, but definitely definitely had, like, mainstream crossover success. Also nominated for Oscars. Also, I think, probably made a good amount of money. And, like, I remember that movie was a little controversial at the time because, you know, Julianne Moore and Anna Benning play lesbian married couple, Julianne Moore ends up having an affair with Mark Ruffalo, who was their sperm donor, you know, and well, actually, 15, 16 years ago. And I remember that movie being like, I remember the reaction to that movie was, you know, how can they show like a lesbian engaging in, you know, sex with a man, but forgetting that bisexuals exist? <laughs>
1: how can sexual that- desire exist on a continuum? Oh, no! <laughs> this is the worst. But I think some of it, some of it like is, you know, Maybe there aren't that many representations of actual healthy lesbian relationships on screen. And this became one more example of like, oh, look, she ended up going for the guy. But like, let's be real. If you were the slightest bit bisexual, regardless of sex, Mark Ruffalo in that movie. I mean, come on. Yeah, so but in terms of in terms of context, it's still so shocking to me that there's I mean, there's a couple camp movies on there, right? Burlesque came out yeah. in two thousand ten, um, which we kind of talked about is definitely definitely queering of the style, even if necessarily you wouldn't be like, Oh, this is the queer movie of the year. But I'm still it still yeah. warms my heart that we landed on Mike Mill's beginners. Like Beginners is just a nice it's a nice. I mean, it's uh, certainly it's not like all roses, but it is a nice, warm movie. So I'm glad we're we're starting with something like that on queer now.
0: Yeah, me too. And I mean, this movie was definitely a um, a part of a trend in sort of this sort of like mid to late 2000s uh, like these very like twee kind of indie comedies, or I guess like dramedies about like relationships with a lot of. Uh, I want to say like postmodern kind of film like tricks you know like words on the screen and Mm -hmm. and like a voice narration and like you know like there's a dog in this movie that is subtitled and kind (laughs) of like whimsical colors and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and like Beginners and I think, like, 500 Days of Summer is probably, like, the two major yeah. ones from this, like, semi-movement. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, only in this specific time period do movies like this actually work. Like, the movies now try this kind of stuff. It's, not, it's too twee and too cutesy. Yeah. Um, but I think like Beginners, you know, it, it does it pretty well, in it because it tells us very, you know, um, very, like, sweet story that's also kind of sad and so it kind of lends itself to that kind of technique Yeah,
1: yeah and before we like dive too much into it in terms of like if you haven't seen this movie and if you haven't please watch it it's really great but it essentially tells the story yeah. of our main character, Oliver, uh, played by the beautiful, wonderful Ewan McGregor, uh, reflecting on the life and death of his father, um, while trying to kind of create a new romantic relationship with this woman he's just met. And she's dealing with issues of her own. And it's really based on, it's semi autobiographical. Um, Mill's father, the director and writer of the film came out at the age of 75, which was five years before he, before he died. Um, and one thing we d- we said we wanted to talk about is, were there any queer people really involved in the making of this movie? And kind of no... Uh, Mike Mills has described himself as, God, I hate this term, as quote unquote gay adjacent. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I just read an interview with him and i like, I made that sound that you just made. Cause he's like, well, I lived in New York and I know a lot of gay people and my dad's gay. So I'm gay adjacent. And I was just like, okay. But that being said, I feel like he does a really good job of humanizing, uh, his father's journey. In this movie, I think it's. I think he does a tremendous job of it. But that gay adjacent thing just bugs the shit out of me.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, I think aside from the fact that, like, Christopher Plummer, who plays the father in the film, is heterosexual, as far as we know, mm-hmm. um, and. But aside from that, I think what this movie gets away with is that it's told from the perspective of the son character, of E.O. McGregor's character. Mm-hmm. So I feel like even if, you know, the sort of queerness seems a little... Um, I'm trying to find out word like distant, like distant or yeah. a little... Not distant, but like if it feels a little bit more like an object versus a subject yes. if i may be so obnoxious <laughs> like <Yes. laughs> i think it's kind of okay because like he was seeing this movie through like someone who's like witnessing this not experiencing it so I like as much as I would like my queer movies to be made by queer people. I think you know a story like this, which is about sort of seeing your father for the first time Mm -hmm. as a person, not just your father. I think it it works well. Yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up because actually, I'm just going to be totally
1: honest here. When I first saw this in 2010, I did not like this movie at all uh because because it was like it was advertised as like this kind of coming out story for Christopher Plummer's character and it is but it is yeah, it's about like I would say it's about forty percent that, and the other sixty percent is sad. You and McGregor, um, which is fine, uh, beautiful to look at even when he's sad. Uh, but it was definitely not what I especially expected. when he's sad. Yes, oh god, that is dark, <laughs> um, but true. <laughs> um, so when I saw it, like I didn't, I guess dislike it is probably too strong, but I was disappointed, you know. And I was yeah. just kind of like, that was all right, but I had very high expectations. And then I came back to it, I guess like six or seven years later. Uh, yeah, it must have been because it was right after, um, 20th century women came out, another Mike Mills movie that's kind of autobiographical about his mother. And I saw that and loved it. So I was like, okay, maybe I need to give beginners another shot. And I did. And it was so rewarding. Um, especially like watching it, watching it now after my own father has passed and like really seeing your father for who he is is a really impactful and important moment in this. Um, but one thing I love about this is that it doesn't seem focused on having a happy ending. Um, The whole thing, this whole plot line between him and Anna, um, uh, who's played, uh, I'll probably mispronounce her name uh, because I don't speak French, Um, between him and Anna is really set up and you think it's going to be like, oh, this is how he moves on. This is his happy ending. And, like, you know, they have all these – you talked about it being very twee and very, like, kind of modernistic and just having the, like, this is what this looked like at this time and this is what that looked like. And it was, like, all these kind of, like, slideshow moments, Um which the yeah. first time I watched it, I was kind of like, oh, God. But I watch it now and I'm kind of like, oh, this this really works for me. And you expect to kind of, like – and then they lived happily ever after. And then there's a point late in the movie where it's, like, you just figure out, like, nope. Uh They just – nope, they're done now. And it's kind of out of nowhere because of the structure of the film. And I kind of admire that, that he didn't feel pressured to give you something happy considering the fact that this is the story of him dealing with his father's death. So, you know, that part is not going to end super happy. And I like that it's like, yeah. it's very true to life like that. Like not every important romantic relationship we have ends in marriage and children. Sometimes it just ends and you move on with your life. And I thought that was pretty gutsy. Uh, so I really enjoyed this on the, like the kind of second and third watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of had the um, uh, opposite reaction with you because like when I um, when I saw this movie in 2000, I actually, I mean, I think it was actually 2011 because I'm looking at the page and it says it was released in 2011 in the states. Mm-hmm. So when I saw it then, I loved it and I was like. I mean, it was like, so, I mean, it was like the kind of movie that, you know, you see when you're like 22 and it's like, wow, this is what movies can do, right? Mm Because it's like, you know, like all like those modernist touches. And of course I was doing it with my own coming out. So it was like interesting to see like gay people like living and dying and stuff. Um, But, and so when I watched it again now, of course I still loved it. But for me it was like, I remember seeing 20th century woman when that came out and not really like, not really caring for it because it just felt like, um, I, it was hard for me to reconcile that movie with this one as like two halves because like, I know that they're not autobiographical strictly in a sense, but like they do work in tandem. Yes. Um, but then watching, So when I watched, you know, Beginners again, and then I watched 20th Century Women again, just to like, as you know, because I was kind of in the mood, and um, I was like, really fell in love with 20th Century Women. Whereas like this movie, I felt like it felt very much like a first film. Which is like I sure. I don't like that criticism because so it's not really fair because like it is a first film so like <laughs> <laughs> it's like well obviously he's going to be very raw and green but sure um, yeah I mean I felt like beginners what I found very interesting about this movie is like it's so empathetic and I agree with you that like the one thing that I didn't like about this movie when it came out was that it wasn't as focused on how you know gay life and. You know, of course, I would love to see a movie about an old guy, like, coming out, you know, at the age of 70 or whatever. Um, so that's really interesting. And um, also, but I also felt like, you know, I thought I could relate to Oliver because, you know, he's also, because, like, when you're at that age of, like, I mean, he's he's older than I am, but, like, when you're at that age of, like, 22, 23, or that's when you start to kind of see your parents for who they are because they're not really providing for you anymore. They're, you know, you're forming your own opinion. So I could really relate to, like, just sometimes this, like, bewildered look of, like, hmm. this is my father. Right.
1: And that frustration, and so, too, yeah, when he's, should, like, making yeah. decisions that you feel, like, aren't the healthiest or aren't the best. There is that moment. And I like how honest yeah. the movie – because it would be very easy for Mike Mills to paint – the character of Oliver as this perfect person and like shout out to Mike Mills for casting one of the most beautiful men in Hollywood to play him. Like I I see you and see what you're doing. Very nice. (laughs) One of the most charming, good looking people ever. I know, but but there are moments. I remember watching this both the first time and on rewatch where there were moments where I was a little upset with Oliver and how he was like, your father is dying and he's coming out. Like, it's a lot for him to take on, too. Well, maybe think about him a little bit. Um, but one of the things I really love about this movie is, you know, of course, there is a, you know, there is a gay relationship where one, uh, one partner is much older and one partner is much younger. And that's discussed. But that's not all that the journey is for him. I like that he gets to like, he creates a community and they have movie nights and he's trying to figure out like, there's a really adorable scene where he's talking to Oliver on the phone about house music uh, and just kind of trying to figure out gay culture as a 70 to 80 year old man. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to figure out in your thirties, yeah. uh, but to kind of dive headlong into that. And you just see, you see some of the struggle, but you also see that he's, Coming into this new period in his life with his eyes open and kind of with a smile, you know, like he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's having a good time maybe for the first time in his life. He gets to be who he truly is. And we just don't get that many movies of any orientation with romance and fun and opening up to a new world with people over the age of 60. And that's really nice to see in a movie like this where you're just like, oh, look at Christopher Plummer. He's having a good time. I'm very happy for him. And the whole time, you it does – it's interesting that it's set up like you know essentially that he's going to die because it is a little – it still feels like this little bit of a, of a betrayal. Like we're getting to know this wonderful man and he's so happy and we know that the axe is over his head for basically the yeah. entire film. And that's a lot – that's a lot to take on, and thank God we have adorable Ewan McGregor uh, dressed up as Sigmund Freud at a at a costume party. Like it's <laughs> all that all that stuff is very twee, but it's so cute because those two leads really carry it. They're both so charming uh, that you just kind of yeah. get drug along with it, whether you like it or not.
0: Oh. Now this is for you.
1: Yeah. Now that means gay pride. Yeah, everyone knows that. No, they don't. Yeah, everyone knows about that. No, of course not, don't be silly. Pop, pretty much everyone knows that that means gay
0: pride. is <laughs> they really?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Did you know? About me?
0: No. I just thought you and Mom weren't in love. oh. Uh-huh. We loved each other. And you were gay the whole time.
1: I learned how not to be.
0: For 44 years? Yeah. I knew I was gay, though.
1: I mean, at parties, I'd be staring at the husbands and not the wives. What about sex? I wish you didn't think I was the greatest lover. What <laughs> we may do? Mm. Look, I like my life.
0: The museum, our house. That's what I wanted. And mom, you want a mom too, right? Yes. Stop that.
1: She proposed to me, you know. I said, uh but I love you, and we're great buddies, but you know what I am, and and then she says, that doesn't matter, I'll fix that. I thought, oh God,
0: I'll try anything. What I really appreciate about kind of what you were saying is that um, I like to use the word betrayal because I found that very interesting because I think that in some ways Hal, even though he might not express this, I think he feels betrayed by his body. He's like finally I'm in the position where I can, you know, come out and have gay friends and, you know, have a lover or whatever. Um, but now it's like almost I have to do it now because I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna die soon yeah. and fall sick and stuff. So, I that's a really beautifully articulated point in the film, and I I think that's why i'm kind of okay with the more whimsical parts of the movie because like there is something very real and honest at the heart of it yes so it's not it's not just like window dressing to like distract you from you know like a nothing story but it's actually like it helps carry along this very what could be a very like depressing and hard to watch story but instead you have like Two really fun romances to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. I love the romance between Anna and Oliver. And um, that's um Melanie Laurent from glorious Bastards, yep. right? Yep, correct. And uh, this is also the first movie I saw of hers after that, and just like just like so overwhelmed by how she went from the like very cold, calculating, you know. Revengeful character in the Tarantino movies to like this very like sweet, charming, and like lovable girl. I mean, of course, like she's a very talented actress. So, um, but it was just such a like um, change of pace for her or for me to see of her, and so. I, I just like, like that this movie has so much, like, warmth in it, even though it's a very, like, sad story on the page.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, the kind of cutesy stuff that we've talked about a couple times, I like the fact that there is a purpose to it. It's not yeah. just to be cute. It's I think the whole movie is kind of playing with the idea of memory. And the way we take things in and the way we hold on to them. Like even at the very beginning when he when Oliver tells the story of his father coming out to him. He's like I imagine him wearing this. But actually he was wearing that. And then all the kind of Mm -hmm. interconnected flashbacks with like this is how things looked back then. It's playing with the idea that like we hold on to things sometimes that aren't even real. But it's like a comforting memory to us. And I feel like. That's the whole—this is the whole memory that Oliver has, is comforting himself with memory. He doesn't focus a lot on how his father died. You get, like, the reason and what he dies of, but there's not, like, a lot of extended sequences of him in pain. It's him taking control of his life, falling in love, and— Making choices that even if Oliver doesn't disagree with, he looks back on and goes like, oh, I know why he did this. He just wanted to take advantage of what little time he had. And I like that Oliver, I think, takes that with him. And it would be very easy to make a coming out story of someone this age and have Oliver be like, you're a liar. You lied to me my whole life, blah, blah, and have this big blow up. And I like the fact that Ewan is perfectly cast in this because he is an actor who can just look at you and take this in. And even if he's sad about it or frustrated, it never comes off like he's a terrible person. It just comes off like my son's going through his own thing, but he is hearing me and he is accepting me. And how amazing that must be, regardless of your age to come out to someone and have them pretty quickly just go, okay, like, let's move on with our lives. Let's do this. And that's a really sweet message, of course, for a very sweet movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's always the the fear, right? That uh, you know, a story about someone's coming out will then focus on the straight person being like, why, like, why, you know, like, <laughs> what a betrayal, or whatever, or something like that. But I'm really glad this movie is very much more like uh, empathetic about it. It's not, yeah. yeah, especially considering you know, like, the sign is based. I mean, the you know, Mike Mills is basing this main character on himself, so that he like was able to. You know, um, like react in that way is is very uh, heartwarming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So to like kind of close up, and if you want to like leave a kind of final stamp on this, feel free. But what do you think we've learned about queer cinema? Just to start here with watching
0: Beginners. For me, I think what I learned from this movie and is that you know queer cinema doesn't Christmas doesn't have to like follow the rules that I want it to follow um, and what I mean by that is like centering a story about a queer man kind of coming out late in his life and having uh, I was centering the story about this older queer man coming out in life around his son who's straight and sort of dealing with sort of the after effects of that. And it, I mean, to me that like on paper, that sounds like something that will kind of make my, you know, blood boil a little, cause it's <laughs> like a queer story being centered around the straight person. But I think what beginners does pretty well is frame the, is like frame the story in such a like inviting way. And also having such like love and respect for, Christopher Plummer Mm -hmm. um, in the film and so it feels like it feels like a tribute to this guy's life versus Mm. some sort of like self- sort of, like, like navel-gazing thing about, you know, like, how I dealt with my father coming out. so right. And the fact that, you know, this got, like, um, Oliver has this, like, romance, it feels very much colored by his relationship with his father. So even if, like we were saying, the movie is more tipped, you know, in terms of screen time to this one part um, of the film, it feels informed by the rest of it, which I think is something that a lot of movies featuring you know straight protagonists with queer people around them they kind of miss out miss out on that
1: yeah absolutely i think you know one thing we forgot to talk about was the russo test uh which is kind of yeah ancillarily related to the bechdel test like so it has three parts the film has to contain a character that is lgbtq uh, that character cannot be solely defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. And that character must be tied into the plot in a way that if you remove them, it would have a significant effect. And so basically the character should matter. Uh, and I think this passes the Russo test kind of with flying colors. Um, so it's nice yeah, that our absolutely. first one really does matter. And I think for me, what I really took from this was one, I'm so happy that we started out – our podcast here with a movie that is a coming out story, but one, it's not about some 15-year-old kid <laughs> coming out. Yeah. Um, and it's not violent. There's there's no one in this movie who doesn't accept the coming out, right? It's just like everyone's kind of okay with it, and he moves on with his life, and it's great. So I really liked that it showed that coming out is a process not limited to when you're going through puberty, Uh, and it doesn't have to have, this does have a sad ending, but it's not a sad ending because the character's gay. Right? So, yeah. So we kind of got away from, you know, in our episode zero, we talked about things we didn't like about queer movies being done over and over and over again. And I feel like this kind of very deftly avoids all of those pitfalls. I guess you can argue that, like, at some level, most of the people in this movie are very attractive, but I would wager that most of the really attractive people, or at least in Hollywood standards, are the straight folks in this movie. Like, you know, we don't, in our culture, we don't look at 70 and 80 year olds usually as like, oh, that's the hot one. That's not what we do. We are a youth-based, youth-obsessed culture. Yeah, And, you know, you mentioned Melanie Laurent and Ewan McGregor, obviously just, stunningly gorgeous uh but they are you know they are not the queer characters so we dodged that one too uh that we had kind of both brought up in episode zero so it's nice to start with a movie that feels comfortable but also isn't
0: terribly stereotypical in queer cinema so you know one question for you you know could christopher Plummer get it (laughs) Oh, Jesus.
1: You're just going to put me on this. I mean, yeah. Christopher Plummer. I love Chris, Christopher Plummer. Like, absolutely. Yeah. But, like, am I, I'm thinking, like, is he going to get it just on the basis of, like, I love Christopher Plummer and the celebrity aspect? Like, if I met someone who looked like Christopher Plummer, like, just in my everyday life, could he get it? Probably not. I mean, you know, like, I got to wow. be honest. Like, you know, once you get above 20 years, my, my senior maybe got to shut that down but there are exceptions to every rule of course Uh, but what about you now that you put me on the spot
0: like that of course yeah of course I'm totally into it (laughs) <laughs> I think every episode should just end with can they get it? I think that's
1: should... I mean sure.
0: Absolutely. I mean, no, I, I mean I'm all about that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So I think we could both like kind of heartily recommend this movie. It's really I Oh, mean, for sure. Yeah. Even if you don't like the movie, you get to look at Ewan McGregor and Melanie Laurent, regardless whatever your t- wherever your tastes lie, there's something beautiful to look at at the very least. And it's a sweet it's a sweet story. So I think this was a really nice A really nice way to start this podcast. But before we go, you want to tell people what's coming up in 2011? In
0: 2011, we have the film Pariah, um, directed by Dee Reese. Yes. And that's a film that I really, really enjoy. So I'm excited to talk about that. Absolutely, and so if you, uh, I think it's it's probably available like on Amazon
1: and that for rental or to purchase. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's tr- please, it's on the please watch it. Uh, we're gonna have a good time talking about Pariah. Uh, so until next time, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, of course, at Queer and Now Pod, uh, and you can follow me at Dave A and G I A N N I N I. And Manish, where can they find you online?
0: Find me on Twitter at themanish89. That's T H E M A N I S H eight nine.
1: Oh, and I guess uh, this is a Talk Film Society podcast, so follow Talk Film Society at Talk Film Soc, and check out all of our writing and our podcasts. There's lots of good stuff there. So we will see you in two weeks.